Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. When it, when it comes to this topic of asylum seekers, I worry greatly. And I worry greatly that there's genuine people all over the country who have concerns. And they're being ignored. There are nut cases, without a shadow of a doubt out there. Absolute and utter nut jobs. And those nut jobs, a lot of them are racists. And some of them take it to the extreme with both their comments and their actions. But then there are those who are genuinely concerned and they believe, listen, we just cannot have any more refugees in this country. I'm concerned about the people who are coming here. Not all of them. Some of them are very genuine people. But I'm concerned about the identity of many of them and who they are. And are they dangerous? I'm also concerned about the uh, services within our village or town where they're being moved. So a group of 34 asylum seekers were accommodated at three holiday homes on the site of uh, Magawana House Hotel in Inch on uh, Monday evening, yesterday evening. Four of the asylum seekers have left the site of the accommodation that was provided for them in County Clare during an ongoing blockage of access routes by locals in the area. Now, the group of 34 asylum seekers, which were accommodated in the area, however, access roads to the site were blocked. Um, and I'm looking here and it says, so we stopped the roads, we blocked the roads so the second bus could not get in. And the ta- this is the locals, of course. Tanisha Michal Martin has called for dignity for the asylum seekers. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of agree with him in a sense that, depending on who they are, I don't know who these people are. Um, but in saying that, you know, if they're genuine people and they're looking for help, you know, they, sh- they should be afforded dignity and not hostility. But in saying that, <laughs> Michal, it's your government that are doing this. Your government are turning people against each other by the decisions and the bad decisions you're making. And everybody, well, the majority of people that I have spoken to in this country have said, we support the idea of helping people from other countries, but you need to stop. We don't have any more room in the inn. We already have a housing crisis. We have people who have lived and worked and paid taxes here all their lives who can't find somewhere to live. And they're watching people, other people coming into the country and getting accommodation. So I know a guy, for example, who was separated and he's literally sleeping in his car. And he's watching. He can't get any help from the state. And he's watching this and he's going, why can't they give me somewhere to live? You know what I mean? I, like, I under, so I understand the anguish of people and why people feel embittered. Now, that's not the asylum seekers' fault, by the way. That's the government's fault. And it's the government's fault for making it too easy. And it's, they, it's almost inviting people to come to Ireland. We can't sustain that. We just could not possibly sustain the rate at which people are coming to Ireland, particularly when we're not in the best of positions to house people. And I said already last night, we can accommodate a population of 10 million people in this country. And I have no objection to diversity, provided, you know, the people who we're importing or people who are coming here have something to add and are of benefit to our economy and our country. But sadly, that's not the case. In many cases, they are a drain on the country and a drain on the country's economy. Not in all, but in many cases. So, realistically, what are we going to do about it? The number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. I want you to WhatsApp or text and let us know. Uh, let me go to Kevin first, if I can. Kevin, you're an Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm good, Noel, and you? How good. you doing? I'm good, Kevin. Kevin, like this is a precarious topic because mm. I, I don't want to hear racist comments, but I also 
I get pissed off too when I hear lefties going, flaw, let them all in, let them all in, they're all welcome, because they're not going to let them stay in their house. You know what I mean? So there's a, there's a middle ground here where we have to be logical. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, in a night, look, let's be honest, the, the amount of people we take in, I've said this before, is minuscule. In the overall scheme of things, minuscule. Now, we are a small country and we take the smallest portion of people in, in Europe. So, and like, and I, I can understand that the government should be doing something to like allow for the, the, the certain uh, number of people out there who kind of wouldn't believe Jesus Christ if they came down off the cross and told them they were wrong, right? Um, but I don't know where to deflect from, as you said, the housing crisis, everything else, the, the cost of food going up, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just kind of like let 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 them let, let them deal with that themselves and deflect them from everything else. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with what Mihal Martin said when he said, you know, allow people to, you know, get in there with dignity, you know, and, you know, people blockading roads. You know, that's not something us Irish generally do. We're very charitable people. We're actually, by head of population, I think we're one of the most charitable nations in the world when it comes to helping other countries when there's disasters anywhere and we have a whip round. It's normally a good old whip round. So we're a good country. We're good people. So why are good people doing things like this unless they've been driven to it? And they are being driven to it by a, by a government that is dividing people. Because as soon as you stand up and say, I think there's something wrong here and we need to approach this differently, you're called a right-wing racist. Uh, look, there's, it doesn't matter what country you go to. There's always that portion of people who are going to do exactly what's going on over here. You can't stop it. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's a race to the bottom. It's a race to the bottom. Like, if if like, there's a lot of people. I'm not saying them all, right? I'm not part, painting every, tearing everybody with the same brush. But there are people out there who believe these people are getting houses, cars, you name it, all for free as soon as they step off the plane, the boat, whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah, that's clearly not the case. And Tra- no. Tracy's second cousin from tour, uh, you know, told him that, and it's true. Yeah, and they, they believe the it. The girl on the you Facebook I mean? said it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. They, believe, they believe some quack over the internet. Around oh, but, that's, but those urban myths have been going on for as long as I've been working on radio. You know, I, I can remember that back in 2002. You know, the African yeah. that came to Ireland and was given, or the garage owner that said the African chap came into him and he wanted to buy a car and it was 3,000 euros. He says, I'll be back in 20 minutes. And he arrived back with a, te- a, te- or a check from the social welfare. Now, I've been hearing yeah. that story. And you know what I did many years ago? I said, look, if this story is true, I challenge the garage owner or the person who knows the garage owner to come on the air. I will pay you to come on the air and I give you three hours of airtime if you do prove it. But nobody ever took me up on the challenge. It just it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen. And it's, it's, it is a certain degree with it. Some of these people, right, I'm going to be honest, it's a race to the bottom. And not a race to the bottom. It's a race to, like, it's why they're going to get all our free stuff. Why are they getting all our free stuff before we do? They're going to get off the but, plane. But is there any... But is, and that's what it is. But, is there, is, but is there validity? But is there validity in the argument? And I mentioned a few minutes ago, I made a mind who was sleeping in his car, right? Because he's separated and he's going to end up sleeping in his car for a couple of months. He doesn't mind. It's summertime. Anyway, but he's saying, you know, I'm not entitled to that. And he's been down to, you know, the social housing place. They put him on the housing list, all that kind of carry on. He's not entitled to a bean, right? And he's not earning enough money to, to you know, to rent somewhere. But yet he sees other people being accommodated from other countries and it pisses him off. And I understand why that would piss him off. So is there validity in the argument, the 
why don't you look after our own argument? Is there validity, any validity in that argument? Well, hang on. When have we ever looked after our own? Before. When have we ever? Before the first immigrant came off whatever mode of transport he made it to here, we weren't racist, but we are now. But we never looked oh, after our own. But hang on. But well, when you say we're we racist. Really but when you say we're racist, right, there's clearly, when you look at some of these protests, some of these are loonies and they're racist. There's no doubt about that. But oh, the vast, the bulk of the, talk. the bulk of these people who are protesting or who are blockading roads, I don't believe they're racist. I believe they're concerned. I find it hard to believe that not one that the majority of people secretly don't have a little bit of racism in them, and you see a bunch of coloured people or or certain ethnic 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 people in a group, and you kind of go mm, to themselves seriously. Mm. And then you can they, they'll tell you all day long, I'm not racist, but serious in in private, yeah, I doubt that. Right? They all we've hang on. I I'm probably one of I'm probably include myself in that. That if I well, what, well, what they do I, is I'm not like it. Well, well, there's a bit of ignorance in that as well, right? But what what they do is I don't necessarily believe it's intentional racism. I believe it's a case of well, I'm Irish. I live here. I pay taxes here on my life. I'm entitled to more than you are. And and that's their view. Now, if you want to call yeah. that a racist view, call it a racist view. But I suppose it's more of an entitlement view, isn't it? But look, look, look what we did. Hang on. This, like, and I know this, you've heard this a million times. We inf- infected, inv- inv- what's the word? Infested, uh, infested, invaded. Infested, that's the word. <laughs> yeah. We infested the, the globe, the globe. There isn't a country where we're not known. Yeah. Well, and why did that happen? Because we were ruined as a country. Why? Because we had the famine uh, jokes or whatever. Mm. Um, and what did we do? We weren't wanted anywhere. But look at us now. So we can just randomly turn around and say, okay. And by yeah. the way, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not denying that, you know, if you, all you've got to go to America is, you know, if you spit somewhere, you'll find an Irish person, right? But in or Australia or whatever it happens to be. But the argument people make is that's not a fair analogy, that the Irish didn't go to, and by the way, this is before the visas, the visa laws came in to America and most of the countries. We don't do it now because if we did, we'd be put on a plane and sent home again. But in saying that, we went, we didn't, they didn't have social welfare systems. They didn't have housing assistance. They didn't have, so in other words, it wasn't costing those states, be it America, Canada, Australia, wherever it happened to be, it wasn't costing them any money. You know, they were trying to track us down and chuck us out, all right, but it wasn't costing them any money. Whereas this is costing money, and it's costing taxpayers money. Now, we do get some money from Europe, uh, you know, for every asylum seeker we take in or everybody we help and every refugee we help. But in saying that, it doesn't, it doesn't cover the bill, and the bill is billions. Yeah, that's that, no. I I have no doubt it does cost money, right? Imagine, but imagine how much it's costing if hotels are if hotels are getting at the moment yeah. just international protection alone, right? There's four or five hundred people on the streets, roughly, right? Uh, the other twenty thousand or so international protection are either in hotels or accommodation. That's being paid for by the state at probably two to four hundred quid a night. That's not including food. That's not including the allowance yeah. that's given. That's just the cost to the hotel owners who are making out like bandits on this. By the way, can I just point out? So, and that's not including Ukrainians. Now, of course, Ukrainians and everybody yeah. are welcome because of course they've come from a war-torn country. But what I'm saying is, imagine how much money is being spent per month on accommodation. Food, education, healthcare, you know, the allowance that's given. If you're Ukrainian, you can claim welfare as well. Imagine how much money 
is being is being paid out. Now, and I know in the UK, they brought in a rule in relation to Ukrainian refugees. We will pay you welfare for six months or pay a payment for six months. After that, you got to get a job. And that, that yeah, seems fair. fair. It's reasonable enough, isn't it? But we're not doing that. No, that's... But, and look, I know these people are, are... They are... No, they are allowed work. They're not... But, like, what do we do? Do you want to go down the Rwanda route or put them on a, 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 an ex-jail cell or an ex-barge used by oil riggers? In the in some in the sea, do you really want to go down that route? Or do you want to well, 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 they're suggesting that now. That's the latest suggestion by Roderick O'Gorman is we put people on a flotilla. Yeah, do you really want to go down? Well, then, right. Not very if humane, so, well, no. Yeah, and, and, and the same people who want to be like Jack in the EU. If it wasn't for the EU, we'd be stuffed, right? We wouldn't. You know, we I, I, well, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that argument tonight. We could do that another. Well, we could do that another night, right? But this oh, argument, yeah, hold on, this argument that we depend on the European Union is absolute and utter nonsense, right? Because I can tell you now, Ireland is a very sustainable country. We would have done things very differently, and we'd be probably still as economically, um, I suppose, um, successful as we are now, even if we weren't in the EU. I believe we would. I think we would have done it without the EU. But there you go. That's just my opinion. Okay. As you said, it's another day's conversation. Mm. <laughs> um, right. So, but look, look, the options are, it is what it is for now. We're not taking many in. We do have land we can build on. The land isn't being built on. There are options out there. For God's sake, the people from U- Ukraine are sleeping on camp beds. So, I don't know what the government are doing, Right. But they seem to be willing to let the certain number of people just do what they're doing to deflect. And you can't stop that because it's global. doesn't matter what country you're going to. Yeah, but why to aren't they country, honest? Why, why aren't the government honest? You know, why don't, it's very negative comments coming back from the state. You know, why don't the government, you know, take on board the concerns of people? Why don't they meet with communities before they drive buses into hotels late at night? Why don't they talk to the community and go on television and have a press conference? Or Because it is a national emergency. Listen, we have a housing crisis. Yes, there's a lot of people coming to the country. I can assure you all these people are being checked by Interpol, blah, blah, blah. Why don't, they're clearly not, by the way, because we've seen evidence already that there's mass murderers moving here. But a guy, there's a, the Zimbabwean press released a statement that a guy who had killed his girlfriend and somebody else and shot two other people is now living in Ireland and he's on Interpol's most wanted list. So what I'm saying is, why aren't we telling people how we're checking? Are we checking? What are we doing to verify people's identification? To reassure people that everything is okay. That will stop all the myths. That will stop all the nonsense. But we're not doing that. We're just saying, Asha, they're just a bunch of right-wing loonies. But why would they Why would they put... Uh, give, okay, so basically, you're basically going to open a can of worms. Right. So you're going to say... So they're going to say, we're going to do this, that, and the other, right? To... And then it's going to split people in twos or threes then because everybody's going to have an opinion whether it's right or wrong, no matter what they say. So why, should, why would they say anything? They'll just say nothing. Okay, well, 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 well do me a favour. Stay there because I want to bring Joe in and I want to go to a local journalist as well. Joe, you're on Ireland's Classic It's Radio. How are you doing, Joe? Uh, good evening, Niall. How are you doing? Good, Joe. Nice to talk to you. Joe, I mean, okay, somebody has to be to, to blame for all of this and the way people are reacting to this. Well, it's obvious, Niall, that is the government that's the problem here. They're not holding up their hands in the bargain. Like, you see certain government ministers coming out there in the last couple of days and weeks, and they seem to be blaming everybody about themselves. And when they're asked questions, they don't even want to answer. Mm. They start coming out with all these sarcastic answers. So, like, it's the government is the problem. And they're turning the country. What they're doing is they're turning both the Irish and the refugees 
into free for all. It's like good cop, bad cop. That's what it's turning out to be. So they're, so they're turning, by the comments they're making, they're turning people against each other by ignoring well, the concerns. They're actually, and actually, if you don't know, I don't know, did you watch it last night? I actually watched it on the RT player. I don't normally watch the show because I think there's the biggest load of crap I've ever seen that upfront program with uh, Katie oh, yes. Hannon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, have I, to, I had a lot of hope for that show when it started first, but no, I have no hope for it rubbish. now. Absolute rubbish. As bad as Claire Bourne was, she was better than her. To be honest. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Uh, but I'll tell you something. The majority of the people who were on her show last night were the refugees who were, in, who were supposed to be in those tents on, Monday, on uh, last week. But that was despicable. And, uh, Anybody who decides it's a good idea to burn tents of homeless people, whether they're, totally whether they're from Ireland or another country, is yeah. bonkers. There's something wrong with them. Yeah, well, I totally don't agree with that because that's only just giving the government... Well, it's violence. Giving the government the leave. Yeah, but it's also giving the government and certain sections of the media here the leeway to blame everyone else. Blame everybody about themselves. Yeah, well, no, no I, I, I understand what you're saying, and it deflects from the real issue, and the real issue is the government should be talking to people about this and how we're resolving the situation. Yeah. Like, Okay. Yeah, but like last night's show, I watched it there for about a half an hour. <clears throat> the majority of people that were on the show were, were, were some of the immigrants that were supposed to be uh, staying in the tents. And I was just saying to myself, if they're really that bad, why are they doing on an RT show? Well, I'm, I'm, assume, uh, I'm, assume, I'm assuming they're capable of walking to a studio, you know, and RTE probably sent a reporter right, out no, here. No, RTE, they probably, they probably bought and paid them because I, I wouldn't trust that organisation as far as I throw them when it's anything. Okay, well, well, do me a favour. Stay there for a second because I want to go to Patrick McMahon, who's head of news and sport. Um, I, I, sorry, it doesn't come up at the end of my screen. I do apologise, John. Um, I, I get that now. Hang on, I do apologise. At the Clare Echo, I do apologise. Martin, or Porrick, sorry, good evening to you. Good evening, Nile. I do apologise, Porrick. Unfortunately, half the right went missing off the edge of my screen there when I went to introduce no, you suddenly. Uh, Porrick McMahon, head of news and sport at the Clare Echo. Uh, Porrick, this, this particular story, Porrick, has certainly grabbed national attention, even though it's a small town um, and even though it's a small amount of refugees. Um, but why did the locals, I suppose, in the first place, why were they angered by this or, or why do you think they were angered by this? Yeah, well, even though to, to call it a town is, is a bit of an exaggeration, like it's more of a, a townland, like the population of Inch would be very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stretch of road that they're on, like you would be talking, there's seven kilometres, it's seven kilometres away until the nearest footpath. And the McGowan House just bringing up to speed closed in 2019. And there's been questions about the percolation system and the sewerage system that's in place. Um, they did say last year this wasn't even suitable for Ukrainians at the time, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Clare, Clare County Council, it didn't um, pass their inspection standards. And like just speaking to, to locals back in Inch today, they said they, they would have no problem with a Ukrainian family coming in. They're just, or Ukrainian families, it's just the, the volume of 69 has kind of caught them on the hop, as they put it themselves. Like mm-hmm. they, it, first, it first emerged last Wednesday when we did a, a report on, on our website that 69 people were to be to be housed at McGowan House. They had a public meeting then in the Kilmele Inn on Friday evening where there was strong local opposition voiced it. And then a bus pulled in yesterday with, with 34 male asylum seekers um, to Inch with no forewarning or advance notice given to, to Inch residents. And then that's how the, the blockades have, have emerged. So it's, it's the small slip road to get to McGowan House um, you turn right on the way to Milltown Malibu and Kilmele. So there'd be a lot of traffic from people from that part of West Clare would be coming in to work in Ennis and, and Limerick and where not. But um, the mm. slip road then is just, it can be blocked at either side, which they have done, which is just a tractor at e- either end. And 
and locals they're working on two hour and four hour shifts there's roaches in place and they've said they'll stay as long as it takes because they're quite fearful another bus could just land at, at, at any moment. Now I, I know the local TD there Carl Crow, was due to meet the Minister of Integration Roderick O'Gorman to discuss the issue to find out did anything come of that meeting or did they actually meet and make any decisions as, around that? As far as I know there's been there's been no progress even Senator Roshan Garvey who'd be from the Green Party party colleague of Roderick O'Gorman she came and she met with um, locals yesterday evening and she was talking to him and she was kind of trying to defend it and then by the end of her argument, she kind of said, you're right, I need to go and talk to him and this, this isn't good enough. And, and approximately eight of the 34 refugees that arrived uh, arrived yesterday evening have already left. I, I seen I seen the photos. My Andrew Ayanna Raiden put up a tweet with a picture of four people with all their bags walking. And he said, we should be ashamed of ourselves uh, talking about the Irish. And the comment, I don't think he expected the reaction he got under his tweet. Most of the comment didn't really have a huge amount of sympathy because what it is, is this idea of just writing everybody off as some sort of right-wing racist once you object. People have different reasons for objecting. You know, one would be there's not enough services in a town. One would be there could be objecting on humanitarian grounds that they don't believe it's suitable for human beings to be living in. But it does look like the, the government are making bad policy decisions here, which is dividing people. And it's turning, you know, it's kind of turning into an us and them situation. Nobody wants to see that. No, and Niall as well, just a couple of months ago, I think it was, it was January or February, similar, but not to this extent, in Shannon, in County Clare as well, um, a unit in the Shannon Industrial Estate was going to be turned into um, an accommodation centre. The plans are still progressing. But similarly, the Department of Integration there's just been a vacuum of a lack of information which creates misinformation. And that's, you know, that's, that's the cause of the problem. There's not enough consultation for the local communities in terms of what additional services will be put in place in terms of public transport, in terms of GPs. I was going to um, say local you know. services. And, and, you know, the idea of meeting with a community beforehand or meeting with local representatives to pass on the word to the local community, maybe in the town hall in a meeting or something like that, you know, it, it seems like a million miles away. It's, it, I think people, what upsets people of this doing things in the cloak of the night or the secrecy of the night and, you know, buses coming into rural areas, who you rightly say might only have one GP, one small, you know, two-classroom school, you know, very small supermarket or something with very little resources in the town, you know, one local pub, and that's about it. And, and you, you can't just suddenly, you know, increase the population by 100% overnight. You just can't do that. No, and that's that's their concern. I like they they've no problem if the number was lowered. Just sixty nine puts a bit of a strain on everything. And McGowan House a tri- was a three star hotel. They said there's nineteen rooms there, but that wouldn't be accurate as well. There's, there's I can only imagine what it looks like inside. By the way, unit, and then there's there's like <laughs> to describe them, they'd nearly be kind of like three holiday homes. Then a bit to the left of it, and they've just been stacked with bunk beds, as far as I'm aware. And now. That speaking to the, to the men themselves, they said they're happy with it, but they've those guys were living in City West for four months and they were pushed, um, again, that from speaking to me earlier on, they were just told, you're going on a bus and they didn't know where they were going. See, you know, which is, it's, 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 no way, it's no way to treat people either. I mean, look, if, if we're incapable of housing people, which clearly we are at this point, we were already in the middle of a housing crisis before the war in Ukraine happened and that obviously put pressure on our system. And now we have, you know, the, the, an increase in the amount of people seeking international protection. We've currently over 20,000 people in direct provision. I, mess, I remember being a gas going back about five years ago when we had over 5,500 people in direct provision and we were complaining about it. Now we have over 20,000. There's a limit to what we can do. So why do you think, you know, and I'm sure local people have been talking about it, and as everybody has, 
Why do you think the government are unwilling to cap numbers or to say, listen, because Leo Vraga did hint at it, going back about a month ago, he said basically there was no more room in the inn. So why do you think that there's no urgency to stop this from happening or to limit this? Well, it's, it's hard to know, but what, what's equally frustrating now is that they just don't seem to be learning their lesson. As I referenced the Shannon example, like there yeah. was a lot of furore over the lack of information. And then again, they've done the same thing, no information. And we've seen other examples in different parts of the country. And like Hall Martin came out today and said something along the lines that there shouldn't be, they should take down the blockade. And yeah, he called for dignity know. for the asylum seekers. And by the way, I understand that sentiment. You know, because it's not the asylum seekers' fault either. As you rightly said, they were just taken off, the, put into a bus in City West and sent down there. So it's not their fault either. But the government need to realise, and I think it doesn't, you know, an Egypt could realise at this stage that it's the government's decisions and their method of doing things that are turning people against each other. Yeah, and, and, and again, as we say, the government, like Michal Martin, said that, and then one of the one of the inch residents that lived directly adjacent to McGowan House said, well, Michal Martin has never come down here and seen what it's like. And mm. seen like the 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 sixty nine. There's not sixty nine there at the minute, and the number could go down as far as sixty two, according to management in McGowan House. The, but it's just it's mm. just it's a road the the road the slip road that leads to McGowan House. I've seen it on the news. Two cars, yeah. the middle two of nowhere. Stop, and it's it's a nice it's a nice walk to do for a loop. But it's just if those the the men like they don't have cars, they were bust down. Mm. If they have to then they have to walk like eight miles or eight kilometers into Ennis, which is as what they said to me, it's an hour in, it's an hour back, and they're crossing Inch Bridge, which is very, you know, it's a dangerous bridge in terms of drivers. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you throw a couple of pedestrians on it as well, it's just they're not familiar with the area. And as they said to me, we didn't have a choice. We were just put down and, you know. And, and I believe, by the way, there are concerns there. as well over the building's fire certification. Now, not just the sewage yeah. system, which you mentioned already. Uh, does it even have a fire cert? Well, that hasn't that hasn't been addressed. That was um, raised by Carl Crow as well. And, he was a part of a meeting with local residents, Met Clare County Council, and Carl Crowe was there, and Independent TV, Michael McNamara was there, and it wasn't clarified if that fire cert is there. Like, as, as locals said and to me... What, what, am, to what did Michael McNamara say? Because he's quite outspoken when it comes to these issues anyway, and I'm sure he had a lot well, to he, say. Yeah, he, he, he flagged that the the impact of 69 on the population in a bigger area, Clare, such as Mintel Malibay or Scarif, would be, would be an impact. But when you put it on an area much, much smaller, like Inch, it's, um, it's, mm. a, it's a bigger impact. And he's bemoaned the lack of information. And he said that the department just aren't, aren't learning from their, their lessons as well. Um, and it's been critical of Roderick O'Gorman. He said there's been no public consultation. And um, it's something, again, that he set out that he's been trying to get information. I think he tabled, tabled requests almost a month ago and has, and has seen no answers. Mm. Um, you know, okay. So he's, okay. He's asked, he's asked, and he's put in follow-up requests. He said, "Bush, they've received absolutely no information." Well, it looks like for the the individuals and the men that are there at the moment, I imagine they're going to be back on a bus and back to Dublin again within the next day or two because I don't think that's going to work out too well for them. It was just a really bad decision, and it's a bad decision, like bad decisions like this they're making all over the country, not just in Inch and not just in Ennis and Clare and Shannon and everywhere else. They're making them everywhere. It seems. There's no end to the bad decisions they're making around this whole issue. And it's easy, I suppose, to write no, people I'm, off all the time and say, oh, sure, they're only right-wing protesters. That doesn't answer the question. Yeah, and that's that's one of the, I suppose, unfair consequences that we see when it's areas like this, that the people of Inch get labelled with various tags and stuff. And they're, they're decent, hard-working people. Um, you know, anyone that has been back there today or in the past would have seen that. Like, and as they said to me, they said, we've fundraised, we did church gate collections at the time of the Ukraine war, and you know, 
at the start. I said, I said that about no I, yeah, I was talking to Kevin, one of our callers there about 20 minutes ago, and I said, the Irish, this idea that the Irish are bad people or we're not welcoming and we don't treat people with dignity and humanity is nonsense. We're probably the most generous, charitable, head of population nation in the world because anytime there's a disaster in the world, we give very generously. So we, we are good people. But unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of hatred at the moment. We're seeing a lot of people burning tents, which is unbelievable, horrible thing to do. Uh, we're seeing a lot of badness in people at the moment. But I think the government are bringing out the worst in people by the bad decisions they're making, the bad policy decisions they're making. Thanks very much. Yeah, um, Sorry. Like, as, you, as, you, as you can say, like, we're, they're good, honest, decent people, but like the Irish people are nosy as well. So when, it's like, just say for argument's sake, a housing estate, if a new neighbour comes in, people are dying to know them. And they're curious and everything. So when you land a high number of people in, they're stunned. And there's a sense of, like the word they say to me is fear, because it's just a fear of the unknown which kind of exists when when, when this happens. And it's just... As yeah, it's, say, like, it's like when you get a new neighbour. But I mean, it's like when you get a new neighbour, there's a fear of the unknown as well. But all of a sudden, when you've got 60 new neighbours, well, it's a bigger fear, particularly if you live in a rural part of the country. But listen, Patrick, thank you very much. Or Porik, sorry. Thank you very much indeed. And I appreciate you coming on the air and talking to us. Okay. Porik McMahon, who's head of news and sport at the Clare Echo. Uh, let me go back to Kevin very quickly. And I'm going to come to another Kevin in a second. Kevin, you've been listening to a reporter who's been there, you know, and seeing what's going on. It's a disaster. Kevin, can you turn down the radio there? Good man. Oh, wait, wait. Okay, we'll come back to that, Kevin, in a second. Before she decided to listen to the radio instead. Uh, Kevin, number two, how are you? Uh, uh, good evening, Niall. Thanks for having me on there. And isn't it great to see an abundance of Kevins on the radio at the same time? <laughs> yeah. You know, A lot of Kevins. But, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I was talking to your researcher there and I just said that I felt that it is actually the government's uh, responsibility uh, because they were irresponsible putting out a tweet in five languages saying that uh, come to Ireland you get a house within four months, you know. Now, if I may, I was actually on your programme a couple of years ago and I spoke about Ireland signing the Global Compact on Migration and this was signed by Charlie Flanagan in Marrakesh back in December 2000. Oh, I, I actually remember you talking about that, Kevin. Yes. I do, yes. Yes, and believe it or not, even before that, I was on talking about the, the, the Marrakesh political declaration, which in, in June of that year, you know. So uh, I've been hiding under rocks since, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it, what this has done is actually placed international obligations on this country, and I think that's you can see the problems actually as a result. Well, the government, the government are the arguing that they can't legally say no. I don't, I don't buy that. You Neither know, do I. Neither do I. I think what's happened is that, unfortunately, as we're going forward, you have the union of these NGOs such as the World Health Organization, the UN, and the World Economic Forum that we're getting a world of their making. And because this country is one one of the most undebted countries in the world, to my knowledge. The national debt of this, if this country is actually greater than that of Russia, with a population of 144 million well, people. Well, that was because so, of what happened in this country in 2009 when we bailed out bondholders. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So whatever, whoever controls the debt controls the narrative, and I think that's the problem: is that the government has been told to do this. And uh, by the way, but Kevin, Kevin I have no yeah. issue, and I, and I think most people have no issue with helping people who are yes. genuinely you know, coming from a war-torn country, who yeah. are genuinely in need well, of services or help. You, you can start but you can't just have a free-for-all either. You know what I mean? Yes, you, you can start by knocking it on the head that six, at least 61% of those arriving seeking, seeking international protection in Ireland are coming in without documentation. I mean, that's outrageous. 
And yeah. I think I think the figure is actually higher than that, but however, yeah, go on. I, I would say it is. I'd say that was quite a concern. Well, didn't the Irish Times do a piece there recently that people that were coming in via plane, something like 80% didn't have any documentation? They had no passports. It's disgraceful, you know, and unfortunately, this is where you need, pe- you need people within the system to actually whistleblow about what's actually going on here. Because as I was saying to your researcher, if I may, earlier on, that in the year 2000, the number of foreign-born living in Ireland was around 3%. It is now up 18%, not in taking into account um, uh, what you would call it, uh, illegals, you know? So- but, but again, Kevin, I want to say to you, I, well, well, hang on, let me, let me just finish what I want to say. And I mentioned this to somebody last night. You know, I'm old. I, when I say I'm old, I'm 59. I'm a conservative. You sound like you're a bit of a conservative yourself, right? So that's fine. I am indeed. Okay, so I, and I'm, I wouldn't class myself as a patriot or patriotic in any shape or form. But I do find it sad to see our old Irish tradition slowly and our culture and identity slowly disappear. But what I will say to you is I have to accept that. We live in a very different world now. It's not the same world that we lived in before. So we have to kind of accept these things happen. And, and, but hang on, I just want to see if it is going to happen. Okay. I want to see it done right and peacefully. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. But the problem is that, you know, I, I, I know three people personally who actually live in sheds in the back garden of the family home. I mean, you talk about the, you know, 10, 12,000 homeless Irish. There's also Irish who are actually living in the family home as adults into the 30s, 40s and 50s mm-hmm. that have nowhere to go. And in fact, I met a lady recently who was 70 years old, had been on the housing list since 1997, still waiting on the home, but because their children are actually had grown up at this stage and uh, were waiting to get on, she's back down the end because she's now classed as a single person. I know, I know. You know? I, and by the way, it is sad to see anybody. And again, I mentioned earlier on, you know, the, the kind of line, look after her own first, has been deemed to be some sort of racist line. Where I don't believe people intend that line to be racist. I just believe people believe if I was born here and I pay taxes here and worked all my life, maybe I have a slightly better level of entitlement. And I, I don't see anything too much yeah. wrong with that statement. Yeah, but it's just I think people are very quick to label other people who have legitimate concerns. Because well, they don't want to have the date. Okay, sorry, Kevin won. What are you, Kevin won. What are you trying to say there? Right now, look. First of all, who, who, well, how many people know what the national debt is? So that is irrelevant to any of this conversation. Well, it's not. No, well, it's not. And, no, well, hang on. It's not really yeah, irrelevant. Yeah. No. No. Hang on. Who going to those protests know anything about the national debt? No one. None of them. Most people. The majority of people do not know what the national debt is or anything about it. So, and as for what I said about these people getting the free stuff, that gentleman just said he knows people who are living in the and are on the waiting list, and they're just afraid that these people are going to get the free stuff that they're entitled. And that's acceptable, but it's not the fact. And the facts don't lie. But for Nobody, but but hang but hang on, you know there is a point for a small country, and we are a small country. Our national yes, debt are. is extremely high. I think it's in the region of 250 billion. I mean, that's yes. a lot of debt for a small country of 5 million people. That means it, that debt won't be finished, paid for, while you and I are alive. It'll be the next generation yes. will be still paying it. But that's yes. because, as we all know, we bailed out the banks and the bondholders back in 2009 10. Yes. But wait, wait, hang on. It didn't suddenly explode because the first foreign national came over to Ireland. So it's irrelevant. We always no, no, you can't. Hang on, you can't. Well, no, hang on, you can't say that national debt is irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. No, 
It's irrelevant to the people. If you owe somebody a lot of money, hold on. If you owe somebody a lot of money, you're indebted to that person. If you're indebted to somebody, you're going to keep friendship with them and you're going to be nice to them because you don't want them calling it in. Can you admit that in the overall scheme of the actual pool of debt that we're in, that what's causing to house these people and put up these people is a pebble in the ocean? Well, it's not a pebble in the ocean, it's billions. No, but hang on, with the greatest respect, Kevin, hang on. It's billions of pe- it's billions of euro that could be put into other services if we didn't have to do it. Again, I want to point out, I'm not saying we shouldn't help people. Of course we should. And anybody who's coming from war-torn country genuinely needs our help, or people who need support and services from other country, roll out the red carpet, help people as much as we can. We should also make sure that people who come through the visa system are properly qualified to do so, like most countries. What I'm saying is, Kevin is just saying you can't have a free-for-all. Hang on. Now, hang on. In the over... Look, you were talking about why are the government doing anything. Okay. Because, as I said, they're being silent for a reason. Because they don't want to get involved in a race round. Right? There's a, the Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, they're falling through the floor with their, their ratings. No, none of them want to bring up this race issue. So they're going to say nothing and let the people deal with themselves. And, let the, and they're going to blame the people who are going out doing the throwing in the tents, etc. And let... The people judge them. And that's what they're doing. That's why they're saying nothing. Because they can't get involved in it. Because it will split the country in multiple... Well they've, well, they've already split the country, haven't they? The country is well, already yeah, divided. By the way, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is what, they, what they're doing, what's happening at the moment is despicable. And the government are responsible for what's happening at the moment. Normal, everyday, average people who never had a bad bone in their body are standing out in protests. Now, get me, don't get me wrong, and I do admit, there are head cases out there in those protests as well who deserve to be behind bars. But normal, everyday people with genuine, legitimate concerns are being branded, you know, you must be a racist, you must be right-wing. They just have concerns. Sit them down, explain to them what's going on, make sure you explain, you know, the security checks. It's their country. They're, they're paying taxes. They're living here. They're quite entitled to be concerned. No, what you may say makes sense to me. I'm mm-hmm. not disagreeing with you. Well, it's not what making I'm sense to politicians for some reason, right is it? Now, right now, in my humble opinion, is that they are let the let the what what we would consider what what people would call these people who are doing the born attempts. They were called. I don't don't talk. Yeah, but don't talk. The born the ten people. Hang on. The people who born the tens deserve to be behind bars. Right? Nobody, nobody should be born in tents. Yeah. All right. So, if that's all the case, it's split in two. Why would they give an opinion of what they're going to do when it could split the country into fours or five, and everybody has an opinion and go either for or against or because, stuck in the middle? Well, listening to what the other captain has to that? say, there's a level of credibility to what he says. You've got to remember that politicians in general are self-serving. And many politicians, as it was mentioned last night, are quite happy to look forward to their job in Europe. And, you know, that, that is going on too. And they want to look good in Europe. They just want to look good because look at us. We're great. We're taking in loads yeah. of people, even though we can't even accommodate them. You know, they're living on the streets. I mean, that's, you yeah. can't continue yeah. that. You just I can't. Like, Stupid. In, in, every other, in every other country, we have, we have the same thing going on. No, they don't. What, no, no, hang on. They do. They have no, they don't. The, anti, the anti-immigration... And then the people who think no, but, but no, but but know but, but no. When I say the same thing is not going on, I mean Ireland per head of population have taken more people than most other countries. Most other countries. 
Now, you know, if you look at France, they've taken very little. Look at the UK, they've taken very little. Look at America, they've probably taken very none at all, actually, to be honest with you. But mind you, they're dealing with their own problems on the border in El Paso, so they've enough to be dealing with. But there's many countries around the world who are not as charitable when it comes to allowing people to walk across the borders as we do. Right, no, put it this way. And, right, do you know any other country by the UK who's actually said to their, their country... This is what we're going to do with asylum seekers. Spare the UK. Australia. And look what happens. And look Australia. What, look where it's got them. Australia. Canada. You, by, by the way, there's hardly any countries in the world yeah, no. where you can walk across the border with no passport, get off a plane with no passport, and be expect you know to, to get a payment somewhere to live and the promise of a PPS number. There's very few places in the world you can do that. No, no, this is between asylum seekers and economic migrants. Economic migrants move. Absolutely, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. So that's, that's, what, that's what Canada and Australia do. You're an economic migrant. And if you want to be... A if, I, if I arrived in Canada or Australia tomorrow with no passport as an Irish citizen and said, listen, things are not going too well in Ireland. There's no jobs over there. There's no housing. So there is a bit of a crisis here at the moment. You know what the Australians will do with me? Put me back on the next Aer Lingus plane. To, put me back on the next plane to Ireland. You're not coming with nothing on, with only the clothes you have in your back, eh, you know? It doesn't no, matter. They put you, now you'll be put on a plane and sent home again. I'm just saying to you, when people are genuine, and I've said it a million times, because I don't want people to think bad of me, I believe they should be helped and supported. If somebody's coming from a war, if somebody's coming from a crisis where their life is in danger and they can prove that, absolutely help them as much as you can. But you can't, we don't, we're a small country. We can't solve the problems of the world. We can get involved. We can help. No, this is either about... If, if I may, Niall, okay, so, well, sorry, hang on. The other Kevin. Sorry, Kevin. Yeah. No, no. I, no, I'd just like to get in there for me. And it's about actually the use of the word racist. There's 89 different NGOs dealing with racism in this country. And to my knowledge, there's not one NGO to help returning Irish resettle in the country of their birth. You know? So is it possible that some of these organisations are acting out of self-interest? and are finding problems when there mightn't necessarily be as bad as it is. Stay with me there, Kevin, one if you can. Let me go to John. Uh, John, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, John? Good evening, how are you? He had you down on my screen as John and in brackets, Cambridge. I thought you were from Cambridge, but clearly not. <laughs> so, John, go ahead. What do you want to say? Um, I think we need to stop this mother cruiser act. Move your phone to your, closer to your mouth there, John, if you can. I think we need to stop this Mother Teresa Act. The Mother Teresa Act, yeah. Because, like at the end of the day, right, our own people into the country unvetted, yeah? It's hard to hear your line, John, whatever way you're holding your phone or... Hello? Yeah, can you hear me now, yeah? Yeah, I can hear you now. You're obviously on speakerphone, were you? Okay. Yes, my, 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 my opinion is, right, we need to stop this Mary Poppins Act and... Look at the bigger picture, right? <laughs> What's the bigger picture? There are, well, there's other people who are suffering financially. Absolutely. And yes, that, That's a little bit of whataboutery, but isn't it? Do you know what I mean? No, not really. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Why are we allowing people into the country unvetted? But not everybody is unvetted. Granted, but... Majority of them are. So, some and of them we, we don't, we can't identify possibly at the moment, but I'm, I'm assuming, I'd mean, like to think the authorities at some point will identify anybody who comes into the country or everybody, be they good or bad. And if, if indeed those people turn out to be wanted or on Interpol's most wanted list, they should be sent back to where they came from. I would like to think that. I don't, 
I don't trust our politicians who were writing. Well, the politicians themselves are not doing it. It's, that's up to border security and immigration, yes. Department of Immigration. You know, um, mm. but I think we, I think that border should exist. What for you everybody? So, well, so what about what about so what about Ukrainian refugees? Should they be allowed into Ireland? I'm a bit kind of puzzled about that one because you're puzzled about it. So what what would you what would you just abandon them in a country that's been bombed to bits? No, not abandon them. What do you the want to do? I'd ask is if you look at most of the Ukrainian men who come to the country, if they really care about their own country. Sorry, because Ukrainian men are coming to our. I gotta. I'm gonna be totally honest with you, John. I said this before on the radio, and I don't mind admitting it. If I was living in the Ukraine and I was married with two kids, I'd be leaving the country. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm fighting a war. Probably, I blame the system. No, no, go back to no, no. Go back to your, your comment about Ukrainian men coming to Ireland. I understand that the Ukrainian government suggested that anybody between eighteen and sixty should stay and fight for the for their country. But I can tell you now, if that happened in Ireland, Michal Martin said everybody between eighteen and sixty should fight for their country. I just feel about fit into the category. I'm fifty nine. I'm leaving. I'm not staying. I'm not fighting any war for anybody. I'm not losing my life for somebody. I'm going with my family. I understand that. Yeah, okay. So that's why there's that's why there's Ukrainian men in Ireland. Get over yourself there now. All right. Okay. I'm chat All right. Uh, um but my my opinion is in general that we should be looking after law enforcement. Oh, yeah. I, that, I, look, John, we, sp- we spoke about that particular cliche earlier on, and I have no huge issue with it, apart from when it's used, in the manner it's used. Okay, okay so yeah. uh, okay, so sh- who should we help, in your opinion, John, in your humble opinion? Who should we help? We nobody. Have, uh, nobody. Well, I wouldn't believe in not helping anyone, but I believe, first and foremost, you should look after your own. Oh, I know you said that already. Okay, so forget, uh, leaving aside our own for the moment, right? Okay. And I'd like to think, generally speaking, we do look after our own, generally speaking. People will always slip through the cracks. But when, okay. we, when people come to Ireland who are coming from Syria, who are coming from countries yeah. where their lives may be in danger because of corrupt governments, do you believe we should be helping them? Or should we just put them on a plane and send them home again? No, I... Jeez, oh, I, I can bluff the stone. Then I'd have no problem. They should be allowed to come into the country and work? I said if they want to come to the country and work. Okay. Then I'd have no problem. Okay, so... so an asi- you, I, I, Would you agree with me then? If they come in as an asylum seeker, we should give them a PPS number and let them work? They can work. If they want to work, yeah. Like, I, I believe that they... Okay, well, well, I I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, Well, some can, Kevin, some can't. Uh, It's only for six months, I think. They get a temporary PPS number, and they're only allowed to do certain jobs. Which is a bit silly, to be honest with you, because some of them are very qualified people, unfortunately. They're not allowed. Their qualifications are not valid in this country. Sorry, Kevin, what did you want to say? No, am I under the wrong impression now? I'm, I'm happy to say I'm wrong when I am. I thought they could work. They are legally allowed the to work. Asylum seekers said they can work for six months, as far as I know. Yeah, so they can they can't work. So I'm yeah. just saying what that lad said that if they came to work, then but they can work. Yeah, yeah, they can work. But but but, but mind you, also. but but hang on, the jobs they're allowed to do under that particular temporary PPS number that they get are quite limited. Like you can have a qualified doctor oh, yeah, or school teacher, and they're not allowed to be a doctor or school teacher. 
No, 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 yeah. that makes sense. No, yeah, of course, yeah. No, no, but I just, I just thought, I, yeah, I wasn't completely wrong. Mm. Um, so, um, that's gentleman's point. I think he's kind of, there's no turning the corner for him. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio, the multi award winning Niall Boylan show. Oh.